0: Song of Solomon, chapter 5. I am excited to share this with you today because the Lord has been stirring my soul for over, well, at least a week. You know, sometimes the Lord don't give me that much heads up on what I've got to share with you, believe it or not. I know some pastors, Brother Sean, that will prepare sermons a year in advance. That's, that's just not me. God bless them. Amen. I'm glad they're able to do that, but the Lord don't always give me that much heads up. But this morning, I believe God's got a word for us, and I want you to give us your undivided attention. And we'll be careful to mind the voice of the Lord and preach until God's done, and uh, God will have His will and way. And right after that, we will dismiss those of you who are candidates for baptism to the back. I'll cue you when we're ready for you to get, go back and get ready. So everybody stand to your feet if you're able. Honor with me the Word of God, Song of Solomon, chapter number 5. And we'll begin reading verse 1. And we'll read through verse number 6. Somebody get me some water. I am come into my garden, my sister, my spouse. Thank you, John. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have drunk my wine with my milk. Eat, O friends. Drink. Yea, drink abundantly, O beloved. And then the one to whom he speaks begins speaking in verse 2 I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? She says, I have washed my feet. How? Shall I defile them? Verse 4, My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels, or uh, that could be interpreted my heart, uh, was moved for him. Verse 5, I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. But watch verse 6, I opened to my beloved but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. Today, my assignment is to preach a message to you that I would like to call Catch Me, if you can. Thank you, and you'll be seated in the presence of the Lord. Father, for the next little while, unless you touch me, I'll make a flop of this. Lord, I only seek to feed the flock of God as I feel the Holy Spirit has led and instructed me to do so. So I ask for your guidance, your aid, and your help in this hour that you would anoint these lips of clay that I could only speak that which the Holy Spirit says to the church and we'd be careful to thank you for what you have said to us and what you accomplish in us through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, God's children say amen. 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 We uh, often get many different interpretations of uh, different portions of Scripture that we find within the Song of Solomon, because it is obviously and apparently record of a a, a love uh, relationship between a husband and a wife. But often people look at it from different perspectives. But I I, I feel like I, I would uh, do it injustice if I didn't make a comparison of this passage with that of Christ the Bride. Uh, i mean christ the bridegroom and his bride called the church and what i see today in this passage i want to look at it as a metaphor for example verse number one it said i am come into my garden my sister my spouse i have gathered my myrrh with my spice i have eaten my honeycomb with my honey i have drunk my wine with my milk eat O friends uh, I, when when I, It puzzled me at first uh, because he, uh, he's inviting more than one person to this banquet. Look where it says, oh, friends, with an S on the end of it. Obviously, there's more to it than just the immediate uh, historical context of that between one man and one woman. Uh, this is a picture, I believe, in a type uh, of Christ inviting his church to engage with him in worship And serve him in pureness of heart where he said oh friends and I would like to remind you also that today there is still an open invitation for whosoever will that anybody that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved by the grace of God and begin to eat and dine with him he said if any man come to me uh, he said I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me I'm glad to announce to you today that because uh, I accepted the invitation to receive Christ as my Savior on September the 9th of 1990 as an 11 year old boy I became a part and a member of the bride of Christ and I can tell you today uh, he is that living water that quenches my thirsty soul he is that bread of life that never leaves me hungry again I I found one whom my soul loves this morning and I'm here to tell you that there is a staggering invitation number one uh, the bridegroom offers a staggering invitation. This is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. If you are under the sound of my voice today, I want you to know that if you've never been saved by the grace of God, that God is after you. That God is pursuing you. You want to know to what extent He loves you? Well, let me just remind you that He paid everything possible, both humanly and spiritually. He shed literally God's lifeblood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, which is the ultimate payment for sin so that he could have a relationship with you don't ever let the devil lie to you and tell you that God don't love you. Because after all, if God loved you, uh, why would trouble hit? Why would God allow good things or bad things to happen to good people? That's what they say, isn't it? Uh, but let me remind you, it is the devil that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But it is Jesus that comes to bring you life and that more abundantly. And so I see here... A staggering invitation. It's, uh, it's staggering, uh, first of all, because uh, uh, it indicates that God uh, feasted Himself. Look at it again, verse 1. He said, I'm coming to my garden, my sister and my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with my milk. This is a very odd thing to think of God as one who has satisfied his appetite. I didn't even know that God got hungry. In fact, I remember when the Bible, in the Bible, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, through, I believe, the authorship of King David said this, If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. And I think that's uh, Psalm chapter 50 and verse number 12. But what does that tell us? Uh, in, and when we compare that to the verse we just read, uh, I want you to consider this thought with me for just a moment. Uh, even though He said He would not let us know if He was hungry, uh, He does tell us uh, when He is satisfied. And I want you to think about this for a minute. In the book of Isaiah chapter 53 uh, and verse number 11, the Bible said, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. by his knowledge." shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Think with me on that thought for just a moment that God had a hunger and God had a thirst for righteousness to be fulfilled. And so the only thing that satisfied God's hunger for the fulfillment of righteousness is when his own son presented himself as a perfect sacrifice. And when the Bible says the father looked at the the travail of the soul of his son he was satisfied you know why he was satisfied because now he could restore that relationship that was broken because of sin uh, with his loving creation uh, and it proves to you and i if there's one thing god's hungry for if there's one thing god is after that's to have a relationship with you uh, and that's to have a relationship with me uh, and you'll need to learn this uh, he's inviting you to come and partake of that which satisfied the very appetite of God Almighty what could possibly satisfy the appetite of God other than the Lord Jesus Christ if you want to have that which satisfies even God partake of the bread of life who is called Jesus if you want to have what satisfies the very appetite of God Almighty amen drink of the water of life that Jesus Christ gives freely to all who come I'm talking about the bridegrooms staggering I never thought in a million years uh, that God would let me feast of His dainties, that God would let me partake of His table. But did not the psalmist David say that thou preparest uh, a table before me in the presence of mine enemies? Uh, And some people are running from God because they're afraid of God. Uh, Amen. Uh, Or maybe they got a bad taste with religious people that don't know the God they claim that they do know. Amen. Uh, But let me tell you something. If you ever get hooked up with Jesus, if you ever get a relationship with God Almighty. I'm not talking about joining the church. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm not talking about teaching a Sunday school class or not doing a whole bunch of religious works and exercises. But if you'll repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ you'll enter into a relationship that will satisfy the deep longings of your soul. Then nothing that this world could ever offer you will ever satisfy you. In fact some of you today are living with some of the consequences of your life before Jesus. Your body is wrecked your mind is burnt Uh, this old world has uh, chewed you up and spit you out and you didn't think you had anything left and you certainly didn't think God would take you but he scooped you up with his grace and his mercy he set you on a solid rock he established your goings uh, and he cleaned you up and he made you one of his and I'm glad for the day that I discovered that he wanted even me aren't you glad for that church somebody say amen. amen hallelujah 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 It's a staggering invitation. But what puzzled me also is that when she opened that door in verse 6, he wasn't there. <laughs> We're going to go somewhere with this this morning. If you're with me, say, I'm with you, preacher. All right, all right. We see the staggering invitation. And anytime time while I'm preaching, if you need to give your heart and life to Jesus, you come to this altar, Brother Sean will take his Bible and show you how you can settle, and get peace with God this morning. Number two, I want you to look at verses 2 through 6 with me. Once I got saved, I became the member of the bride of Christ, also known as the church of the living God. Amen. By the way, the church is not this building that we're sitting in. The church is the blood-bought, born-again family member of the family of of God. We use the word church to define what it looks like to gather together in His name. But it is the gathering together, and it don't have to be in a religiously dedicated building. We could meet out in a cow pasture and meet with God. Amen? But it's the gathering together of the people of God. That's the church. And what I have learned is that sometimes when you begin your walk with God, God will begin to speak to you about leaving your place of comfort for a place of intimacy with Him. And so now I want to talk to the church. I've talked to those who need Jesus. I want to talk to those who have Jesus. But look at it, verse 2. He's, uh, even though he, uh, he was calling her, uh, she said, I sleep, but my heart waketh. So her, her sleep is beginning to be troubled. Uh, it's, uh, have you ever been in one of those states of consciousness where you felt like maybe you was half awake, maybe you was half asleep, but something was bothering you? And I... I I just kind of have a picture of this in my mind where she's there sleeping, trying to sleep, but she's got this nagging voice. Uh, I I don't mean to be disrespectful to the Lord, but it's nagging to her because uh, it's troubling her sleep, and she ends up having to get up from her sleep, and she's done made herself comfortable, and now he's calling her to a place beyond, amen. And what I see here in verses 2 and uh, 3, I I see number 2, the bride's stages of response. And I want to ask you today, where do you and how do you respond to God's voice in your life? Uh, I see here a type and a picture of the different stages that we might go through as God begins to call us into a more intimate relationship with Him. Verses 2 and 3, you look at it, we see complacency and comfort are preferred because she said, uh, It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, and my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have. Put, and then this is her response, I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? So she's uh, responding with, uh, Look, I done got ready for bed. I've done been tucked in. I've done made myself comfortable. Why would I want to get up? Uh, Why don't you come in where I'm at? But I need you to know something. Uh, Sometimes the Lord comes to you and stirs you up, not uh, to leave you where you are, but to bring you to where He wants to take you. Amen. This is true for the individual. This is also true for the church. Many times God wants to do more. Many times God wants to do different. But churches clamp it down and say we've done made our bed. uh, We've done slept in it. We've done made our comfortable uh, situation. uh, And we prefer comfort and complacency over a real move of God that requires us to move to a place that's different than what we have ever known. And we see verses 4 and 5, not only do we see the stage of complacency and comfort, but watch it progress. Verse 4, my beloved put his hand by the hole of the door and my bowels or my heart was moved for him. So she went from hearing him, but now she's seeing his hand at work. And so she, she, he's he's teasing her. He's uh, he's not letting it go. And sometimes when God wants to uh, use a church mightily, uh, He'll begin to disturb the soil, like we preached about last Sunday, and He'll begin to upset things that we knew sure were right the whole time, but we have uh, since discovered that God is much bigger than any box that we can put Him in. Somebody say Amen right there. And all of a sudden, uh, God don't just speak to you, but you start seeing evidence of His working in. your midst and it puzzles you because you were always taught to believe that God always worked this way but I've never seen God work that way and it don't make sense to me. My theological mind cannot comprehend or wrap around the fact that God can be so different than I ever was led to believe or taught to believe or experienced but God is so much more than any of us could ever tap into and you need to learn it don't matter how much you know your Bible it don't matter what kind of Bible college you went to there's more to know of him. Amen. Uh, yes. Job said there was so much of them that at the end of his conversation he said these uh, are just parts of his ways. Yes. Uh, if you look up that word parts it means uh, just the fringe of his garment. He said uh, we ain't even barely touched a thread on the hem of his garment uh, and God wants to do so much more and so many times we settle for bed and nighttime when God's stirring us up and say come with me. Uh, let me show you what I've got prepared for you. Jesus said I go to prepare a place for you. and if I go to prepare a place for you I'll come again and receive you unto myself uh, that where I am there you may be also and I know we always uh, historically have interpreted that as talking about heaven and that's fine if you want to but let me tell you something it's better than heaven it is that secret place that you learn to live with God Almighty Amen. after the person of the Holy Spirit lives in your heart uh, moves in uh, all of a sudden you have direct access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords uh, all of a sudden when you were banished from his presence now He's says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace uh, that we may obtain help and mercy in time of need. Aren't you glad uh, to know that he's always calling us closer this morning? Amen. And so we see conviction and change as they see his evident hand at work even though it puzzles her. uh, Maybe I thought I was dreaming but I can't let it go, maybe she said. And some of you, I'm a little different probably than most of you are used to. (laughs) But you can't deny what you see God doing. You can't deny that God's working. When God begins to show you himself, it's hard to deny. God self-identifies. People who, I've heard of atheists their whole life, bump into the presence of God and immediately become converted and saved just at the self-revealing presence of God. And God is going to stir you up He's going to show you. He's going to confirm His will, His way, His word. He's going to manifest Himself to you. And you will go, but you'll have to. You'll have to go beyond complacency and comfort into a place where you begin to respond to the conviction and change that is needed. Because here she realized, listen, if I'm going to follow hard after Him, I can't stay where I'm at. I'm going to have to get up out of my bed of complacency and comfort. And I'm going to have to go to the door where I hear His voice knocking and boy I'm glad it said it was his voice knocking and not his hand because ain't that just like the still small voice of the Holy Spirit of God saying uh, Amen to that Holy Ghost filled preaching and that's right and some of you, a spirit's about to leap up inside of you, some of you feel like shouting this morning, that's the good Holy Ghost of God saying listen to my voice uh, follow the shepherd, uh, you're hearing it right, follow me uh, and you'll never thirst again, follow me uh, and you'll never hunger again, follow me and I will lead you into green pasture and still water follow me uh, and I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy amen the bride stage of response she goes from cl- complacency and comfort to conviction and change and then verse 6 watch uh, I opened to my beloved and I want to say at this right here at this point in the sermon the chase is now on she said oh I gotta find him now and she goes up and she opens the door because she just heard his voice she brother Sean she just saw his hand Through the hole of the door. She knew he was right there. Without any doubt. And began to chase him. But then something happens. I want to call this number three. The bewildering setback. Of pursuit. He withdrew himself. He hid himself. And he went silent. God I thought I heard your voice. I followed you here. Uh, Don't look like anything's happening now. You ever been there? Uh I did exactly what the voice told me to do. And when I get here, things fall apart. God plays hide and seek. God begins to veil himself. What God is looking for is a hungry people. God wants a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. God wants a people whose hunger and thirst are so mighty that nothing will deter them from their chase for Him. Not silence. Not withdrawal. Not hiding. Lord, I know I heard your voice. I know you're here somewhere. I'm not going to give up until I find you. Amen. Amen. And here she is, bewildered at this setback. She thought uh, if she went, things would just be perfect. But God had to bring her on further still. Sometimes that's that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does. He'll lead you here. I was given some great advice from my youth pastor when I was just a teenager. You young people, listen to me on this. This This will help you throughout life. You go as far as you can see, and then you'll see to go farther. So she went as far as she could see and hear. But she knowed one thing. She couldn't go back and find them. My wife and I have been praying recently through trials and storms of our personal life. (laughs) Do with us whatsoever you will, Lord. And here's what we have come to the conclusion of. We have nowhere else to go. Job said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust in him the devil is not going to rob me of my faith and my knowledge and my confidence that I heard from God and I did what God said do and just cause you're obedient to God don't mean he's going to roll out the red carpet for you just cause you follow the voice of God don't mean everything's just going to be okay a-okay and hunky-dory sometimes the will of God will lead you right into the midst of adversity, amen sometimes the will of God looks different than you ever expected and we need some Christians who are weathered and who have weathered the storm that will praise Him when they're up and praise them when they're down Uh, that will show up when they're talked about and show up when they're celebrated amen Uh, that won't quit at the first sign of trouble but God give us some Christians uh, that are bound and determined to find God in their lives and yet we have alleged Christians today that fall out over the first hint of turbulence discomfort confrontation God will cause all of that in your life if it means that that by the time you get through your trial and tribulation you have no thing left but a a determination to keep following Him have you ever thought about it this way we as humans uh, always we're, we're last resort kind of people we do the hardest thing last We do. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. We look for the path of least resistance. So when trouble comes, because we serve God, we try to fix it. We try to make it more comfortable. We try try our own ideas and say, well, maybe if we'll do it this way. Well, maybe if we'll do it that way. What if God's trying to exhaust every last contingency plan in your heart and spirit so that when He finally drains you of all of yourself, He knows He's got 100% of what's left of you. You ever thought about that? Maybe that trial was allowed in your life to burn up the dross, to burn out the impurities so that you quit relying on yourself and your intellect, trusting the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He shall direct thy paths. We see that He withdrew, He hid, He was silent. And not only that, but verse 7, look at this. This This is going to help somebody if you listen. The watchman. That went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The keepers of the walls took away my veil from me. Her only crime, Brother Sean, was following the voice of God. And yet, the very people that were set by God to protect the city and the people that lived in it injured her, inflicted pain upon her. What are you doing out at this time of night? She was abused, laid open. They ripped her veil off of her, shamed her. And isn't that just what organized religion does to those that dare to step out of the religious box that man created to follow the voice of God? You would sooner be crucified by them than congratulated for following God's voice. And I want to talk not to those that do the crucifying, but to those who are either willing or have already been crucified for, for following God. Oh, that he knoweth the way that you take. That he's acquainted with your grief. He's associated, he's affiliated with your sorrow. We have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings. I love the word feelings. There, We're not saved by feelings, but I'm glad that when I'm emotionally distraught, the Lord feels my pain. Have you ever had God just sit and weep with you? Hold you in His arms? Love on you say, it'll be okay, we'll get through this night together. I know they hurt you, but they hurt me too. Could that be what Paul referred to when he said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and what else? The fellowship of His sufferings. What's bewildering to me about this setback is that The bridegroom did not prohibit the wounds of friends nor their uncovering of her. He did not stay around long enough to protect her from what it was going to cost her to follow Him. He needed to know that she loved Him more than everything. Sometimes we get angry with God because He doesn't protect us from the pains that we incur for serving Him. I served God many years ago, preacher, but somebody lied about me and I haven't been in church since. Let me remind you of something, dear friend. And I say this with all the compassion in the world. God did not do that to you. That wasn't him. That wasn't him. In fact, what they did to you, they also did to him. Did not Jesus teach us that whatsoever you do to the least of these, you have done it unto me, brethren? When you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, when you're injured by the very... I'm talking about the watchmen. That's even the preachers, the prophets. That's supposed to sound the alarm when outside influences come in to wreck the city. They're supposed to be protecting you. But they're the ones injuring you. Aren't we there today, people? So many people get hurt in church. And they distance themselves from... Church, but God's bigger than church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God's bigger than church. But even though the church is full of the injured and the people that do the injuring, Jesus has not given up on his church. And you need to know that he fellowships with you in your suffering, he knows the pain that you're going through. And if you'll follow Him, He can restore you. Yes, he can restore you. He can, he can put you in a place of service where you're there not for people but for Him. Amen. And I believe that if we had died of self and we would decide I'm in church not to impress people, not to earn brownie points with God, not to be noticed or recognized or seen, but I'm here because the Bible says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. I'm here to be obedient to the Lord when it makes me feel good or when it makes me feel bad because of the way somebody talks about me or runs their, or runs their mouth about me or the way somebody treats me. Listen, uh, I'm telling you, if you'll just be faithful to God, God will be faithful to you. This is what we don't hear from our Prosperity preachers today that serving God is often, probably more often than not, difficult and challenging and painful and hurtful. And at times, look at verses 8 and 9. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, here is the bride looking for him in the streets of Jerusalem, can't find him. If you find my beloved, tell you. Uh, that you tell him that I am sick of life. Have you ever been so low that you didn't think you could get a prayer through, so you resort to asking other people to pray on your behalf? And I'm talking to somebody this morning that's so low that you can't even talk to God. But you've gone to others and you've said, Would you tell him I love him? Would you tell him I need him? I don't know when, where, how, or what. I don't know if I'll ever be back restored where I need to be. But if you can get a prayer through for me, would you let him know this or that? Have you ever been there? She says, oh, daughters of Jerusalem, if you see him, let them know I love him." And I'm seeing someone who is distraught and disillusioned by what just happened. She thought it would be easier than this. She was looking forward to a night of love and instead endured a night of pain and misery and disappointment. And if you look at verse 9, after she talked to the daughters here's their response what is thy beloved more than another loved O thou fairest among women what is thy beloved in other words what's so special about him when she went to the one she thought would pray for her instead they responded with criticism and I'm telling you when you start following God you're going to be criticized even by the very ones that's supposed to pray for you and supposed to love you and supposed to support you. Amen. I, I got saved when I was 11. I announced my call to preach when I was 18. Uh, and boy, I thought everybody would be excited about that young boy getting ready to preach the gospel. I didn't get hardly a congratulation, much less anything else. Amen. You'll learn that people aren't near as interested in that walk with God as what He has put in your heart to be interested in. And you cannot let their lack of enthusiasm rob you of yours. I have decided I'm going to preach anyhow. God put me with one church that wouldn't hardly offer so much as a holy grunt, much less anything else. Amen. And you know what God was doing, Brother Sean? Teaching me how to preach without an amen. Amen. He wanted me to be so confident in that word that it would swell up inside of me and I couldn't help but let it out like a convention Indian. It didn't matter who said what, amen? <laughs> if they didn't like it or whatever, i just preach, amen? I preached like there was a thousand people there and every one of them was up to their feet applauding. It didn't matter to me, but it took me a while to get there because I was trained in the organized atmosphere of man-made religion that response is important. I was trained that the louder the amen, the better the preaching. And I had to learn, sometimes the best preaching doesn't get an amen at all. Amen. But it's what we need. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, we can get so hung up in methodology and style and personality, and, and really that's not even where it's all at. God said, if you're going to find me, you're gonna, you're not, you're gonna, there's not a recipe. There's, there's not a, 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 an atmosphere that you can create mechanically. To invoke my presence. It's, it's more than lights, camera, action. It's more than how loud you can preach or what style you preach in. It's more than the kind of style of music that you sing. Uh, he says, They that worship me must worship me in spirit uh, and in truth. Amen. Uh, uh, what I'm looking for is what's true and was filled with the spirit of God amen and if it blesses God I don't care if nobody else likes it as long as he likes it I'm running with it amen because I'm chasing after my God and I feel like kind of like old Jacob must have felt he said I will not let thee go except thou bless me oh. <laughs> bewildered by the setbacks of the pursuit didn't expect that But did not Jesus say to his disciples, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? He said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. What kind of baptism did Jesus experience? It was a baptism of death. We were buried with him in uh, baptism, raised with him in newness of life. He was baptized. Of course, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. We know that with the day John the Baptist uh, baptized in the water, the Spirit of God, descended upon him like a dove. But I believe what Jesus is referring to here in context is that tribulation, that trial, that baptism of death. He had to be buried before he could be raised again. And that's what we got to do. we got to get past our ideas of God and the facts that we know about him and start getting to know him personally. Yeah. Just because you can describe someone don't mean you know them. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? So pursuit is pricey and painful before it is ever given the prize of his presence. Lastly, I want to talk about this. Some of those kitchen ladies might want to head toward the back if you ain't already there. Start getting things ready before the baptism. But Let me look at this. Verse, chapter 6, <laughs> verses 1 and 2. Now, before I go there, i I got I to I point something out. Verses 10 through 16 of chapter 5, and I, I don't have time to read it all. But when they asked her what is so special about him, she began to brag on him. <laughs> she began to say, oh, you haven't heard? Let me just tell you. And maybe I should read it. Y'all want me to read it? Say amen. amen. My beloved is wide and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. Not only does he not compare to many, he doesn't even compare to few. There's nobody like him. Amen. She began to brag on him and, Uh, His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as the raven. Uh, Amen. Them women always like them dark hair dark, uh, dark hair guys, don't they? Amen. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water washed with milk and fitly said he begins she begins to brag on him and describe what she knows about him his cheeks are as a bed of spices as sweet flowers his lips like lilies uh, dropping sweet smelling myrrh amen uh, I, I, I don't know I I, I I believe that she not only knew uh, his kiss uh, but she was referring to uh, the words that would come off of his lips can somebody say amen right there verse 14 his hands are as gold rings uh, set with the barrel his belly as bright eyes overlaid with sapphires. She's describing a majestic king here. Verse number 15. His legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yeah, he is altogether lovely. And by the time she got through bragging,